Let's take our Bibles, turn over to the book of Genesis 32, Genesis chapter 32 tonight. <clears throat> a woman, she was taking an afternoon nap and she woke up and she told her husband, <clears throat> and I just dreamed that you gave me a pearl necklace. What do you think it means? You'll know tonight, he said. That evening, the man came home with a small package and gave it to his wife. She was so delighted, she opened it up to find a book, though, entitled, The Meaning of Dreams. <clears throat> You'll know tonight, I guess. Okay. <clears throat> there was this major explosion. It happened in a gunpowder factory. I mean, it was a major explosion. And once all the mess had cleared up and all the smoke had cleared and so forth, they began to make inquiries, right? They started asking questions. One of the few survivors is pulled up to make a statement. Okay, Simpson, says the investigator, you were near the scene. What happened? Well, it's like this. Old Charlie Higgins was in the mixing room and I saw him take a cigarette out of his pocket and light up. He was smoking in the mixing room? The investigator just stood in horror. I mean, just stunned. Couldn't believe what he was hearing. How long, he been, how long has he been with the company? About 20 years, sir. 20 years in the company? Then he goes and strikes a match in the mixing room? I'd have thought it had been the last thing he'd have ever done. It was, sir. All right. <clears throat> I know, they're no good, but hey, you know, it's the best I got. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 32. Genesis chapter 32. I was trying to come up with a missions message. I figured if I could speak Australian, or at least sound like one, and then maybe talk a little bit about Australia, you might think that I was our brother tonight. I just say I left my uh, video behind. But it's not going to work out. I just can't seem to get the accent. I'm not like Brother Dean. I can't just come up with those things. And, you know, but uh, nonetheless, here we are tonight. Let's see what we can do. Uh, we're in Genesis chapter 32, verse 21. 32, verse 21. <clears throat> the Bible says, So went the present over before him, and himself lodged that night in the company. Now, let me just give you a little background before we continue reading. Of course, Jacob has fled to Haran. We know that he had tricked his brother Esau. He received the blessing instead and the birthright, and now he finds himself headed to Haran. And there in Haran, he, of course, meets with Rachel, and 
gets to, begins to work for Laban, her father, and he's worked for 20 years now. He's been involved for 20 years in this in industry. And man, I mean to tell you, things have been going like gangbusters. And he's been becoming more prosperous and successful. And he has a couple of wives now that are Laban's daughters. And he decides it's time to head for the hills and leave old Laban and go his own direction, his own way, and go back home. As he's making his way back home, of course, he can't help but remember how he left things. Because he left them in such disarray and Esau so angry and upset with him, actually seeking his life, he decides to send a present back to Esau. And of course we know that he divides up the, the spoils and he divides up his family, divides up his servants and he sends them in groves, if you will. And he sends presents ahead trying to ease the pain, if you will, trying to convince Esau that he was sorry for what he had done, that he was, you know, had humbled himself and that he acknowledges and recognizes his ill-doing and, and just uh, don't kill me, you know, just take my presence and we'll call it a day. And so he's sending presents ahead. Well, that's where we really pick up in Genesis 32, 21. So went the present over before him and himself lodged that night in the company. <clears throat> and he rose up that night and took his two wives and his two women servants and his eleven sons and passed over the ford Jabbok. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. When he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, Jacob, saying, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. <clears throat> I attended junior high school, not too awfully far from here. And I went from 7th to 9th. In those days, it wasn't like 6th to 8th, it was 7th to 9th. You had 1st through 6th grade, you had 7th through 9th, and then you had 10th through 12th. And I remember being in ninth grade, and I began wrestling that year. And that year, uh, I was, while I was on the mat, I faced up against this guy, this young fellow that was, I mean, he was, he was strong. He looked strong. I mean, he had big muscles already. He was 13, he was 14 years old probably. But man, I mean, he looked like he was a grown man. And I thought, wow, that dude looks strong. And I remember when, you know, you, you get to wrestling and the first thing, you know, you kind of hook up, you're trying to get down here and, you know, get a takedown and all that good stuff. And man, I mean, to tell you, it was like, it was like his hands were like iron, like steel. His body was hard as a rock. Man, I mean to tell you, I knew right then, physically, I was overmatched. Man, I mean to tell you, he just was, I mean, he was super strong. I tried everything I could to escape that guy's grasp. I mean, he got a hold of me. I could not break free. And I felt helpless. It didn't matter what I did to try to get away, I couldn't. That iron grip of his just was too strong. In our passage, <clears throat> Jacob and God are wrestling. Jacob, like my opponent, would not let go. Now, I know it seems crazy because we know no one's stronger than God. But in this particular case, he makes, makes it very clear that Jacob would not let go. That Jacob was, was determined to hold on until he was blessed. I will not let thee go till thou bless me. Jacob got a hold of God. The Bible says he wrestled a man with him. That man was God. Jacob held on to God. It said until the breaking of the day. Jacob would not let go. The Bible tells us when he saw that he prevailed not against him. He got a hold of God. 
He held on to God. And he would not let go of God. And I just want to say tonight, if you and I want a blessing from God, then we are going to have to get a hold of him. Hold on to him and not let go of him. What about you today? How bad do you want a blessing? How bad do you want a blessing? Because that's really how important. This message is simple. There's nothing complicated about it. But how bad do you want a blessing? And so we want to talk a little bit about that tonight. Father, we come to you. We just ask, dear God, that you'd help us. We need you tonight. We need you all the time. Lord, we pray that you'd speak to our hearts and may you just burn into our minds and into our hearts the same that, Lord, we must get a hold of you. We must hold on to you. We must not let go of you. Father, please, we do need a blessing. Father, we know that blessings come from you. Father, speak to our hearts now. Work in our lives. We'll thank you. We'll praise you. In Christ's name, amen. Maybe you uh, want a family member saved or you want them to escape the flames of hell. You're concerned, you're burdened about that family member. I mean, how bad do you want a blessing? Maybe you're at the end of your rope. <clears throat> it seems like everything you've done doesn't seem to add up to anything, and it's just like, I'm finished, I'm done. I'm, I, I've given everything I can, I've thought to do everything I could possibly do, but it's not working. Maybe your marriage is falling apart. Maybe your home is crumbling tonight. Maybe your faith is waxing and waning as we speak, and you don't quite understand why. You're still going to church, and you suppose they're still reading your Bible. You think, okay, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do, but it just feels like the energy level, the faith level is waxing and waning. Maybe your children are rebellious, or possibly you've gone, they've even gone astray. Your faith is weak or quickly fading. Your job may be uh, in the midst of being lost or you're concerned that it might go soon. Maybe your friends have betrayed you or your joy has been lost. Your world is falling apart. How bad do you want a blessing? It's funny, you know, we talk to people all the time and you do too, I'm sure, that everybody has desires, everybody has dreams, everybody wants something. I don't know of anybody that I've ever talked to that just says, no, I I want life to be miserable. Man, I want my marriage to be on the rocks. I I want my children to go off the deep end. Man, I want everything to fall apart in my life. I've never met people like that. Everybody wants the right things, it seems, for the most part. When I say right things, I'm talking about things that are good for them, not bad for them. You know, they want, they want plenty of money. They want plenty of things. They want to have the good things in life. They want their family to be uh, just cohesive and close. They, they want their marriages to be tight, and, and, and they want their uh, relationships to be fulfilling. They want all the right things, it seems, and they know sometimes what they want. The problem is, how bad do they really want it? We want it, but we don't necessarily want to pay the price that it costs to get it. So he said, I want a million dollars. Well, be willing to pay the price, and it'll cost you something. It'll cost you something. I want a good marriage. Well, let me tell you what. You can have a good marriage. I don't care who you're married to. You can still have a good marriage, but it's going to cost you something. Man, I want children to to rise up and call me blessed. It's going to cost you something. Man, I, I, I I want to serve the Lord. Well, then it's going to cost you something. And not what you think it might want to cost, what somebody else may say it costs. It's funny how we want to serve on our terms all the time. As long as I can serve the way I want to serve and where I want to serve and how I want to serve, it's okay. But I don't want anybody telling me how to serve. It's going to cost you something to be a servant. I want to be an obedient teenager. It's going to cost you something. What price are you willing to pay? How bad do you really want that? I don't want my parents on my back. Well, then be willing to pay the price. There's a price to pay. You know what the price usually is, is it's dying to self. (laughs) 
That's usually the big price that most of us have to pay for everything. Not getting our own way and accepting that as the way is most of the time the way things work. (laughs) But man, I'll tell you what, the Bible teaches us here that Jacob said, listen, I want blessed and I want God to do something in my life. I want God to bless me and I'm not going to let go of God. I won't. He was willing to pay a price. How bad do you want a blessing? See, the key to getting a blessing is found in our passage. It's get a hold of God. Hold on to God and don't let go of God. That's how simple it really is. Do you realize when you think about salvation in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, the Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you get, I mean, do you think about that? Prayer is such a vital aspect of salvation. You got to get a hold of God to be saved. Man, I want to go to heaven. Really? Then you better get a hold of God. Hold on to God and don't let go of God. You got to pray. You got to ask Him. We think about being sanctified, set apart unto God. We think about Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let me tell you something. I don't know about you, but I've done a lot of business at Alders in my life. And one of the things I found is if I'm going to be truly surrendered to God, I have to go to Him and tell Him. You know what that's called? Prayer. You got to get in the presence of God. You got to get a hold of God. God, I'm giving you myself. I'm giving all of myself to you. You got to get a hold of God. You got to hold on to God and you can't let go of Him. We think about supply in our life, not only salvation and sanctification, but supply in our life. We need things in our life. We get that through prayer. Turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 7. Look at verse 7. He says, you have not because you ask not. And then often he goes on to say, and you, you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your lust. That's why we don't get what we, we want to get sometimes, because it's really selfish. But, but the beginning aspect of this, the real foundational aspect of prayer is, is asking. We've got to ask. You don't get it unless you ask for it. You say, but God already knows my need. I know he does, but he wants to hear us ask. How many, of you, how many of you don't know, uh, how, how many of you are in the dark about this? Your children need to eat. We all know that. But isn't it nice sometimes when they come to you and they say, Mommy or Daddy, I, boy, I, I like that. that. I love when you make that. I love that. And you go, really? I think we're having that next week. Or thank you, that was so good huh, I think I'll make that again soon. I mean, we like to hear somebody ask. We like people to show even appreciation, and that's what God's talking about. Asking is prayer, and, and, and we go to God, and we, we tell Him things. Man, He knows we have needs, but He wants to hear us. He wants to hear from us. I mean, I don't spend a lot of time praying about my needs, I'll be frank with you. I really don't. Because I mean, God does know my needs. And there's many things he tells us we don't even need to pray about. That sometimes we find ourselves praying all the time. But there are things that we pray for. We pray for others often. We pray for our ministry. We pray for souls. We pray for other people and their needs. And we're asking God continually. And there are needs in our own life that we need to go to God about. Especially spiritual needs. Look what he says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom, if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask Him? So he's using that 
that, that, that illustration of that picture of a, a parent on earth addressing and dealing with the needs of their child. And, and, and we meet those needs in the lives of our children. And he says, you guys are evil. You got, you're selfish. You're sinful. And you still meet the needs of those that are depending on you. How much more can you depend on me to meet your needs? Being perfect and sinless. God is anxious to hear from you, and he's anxious to hear from me. And he wants to meet our needs. And people say, well, I've already prayed and it didn't work. How bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? Well, I, I want it. I want it. How bad? You know, I deal with couples and I'll say things a lot of times. They'll, you know, what? A lot of times we say things like, what aren't you willing to do to, keep, to save your marriage? I stop saying that. I ask, what are you willing to do? Because the problem is most people aren't willing to do what's needed to save them. Well, I'll do this and this and this and this. What, are, what, are you, what aren't you willing to do? Well, I, I don't know. I, I, I'd do anything, they'll say. Really? Well, let's talk about what you're willing to do. Are you willing to? Well, <laughs> I don't know about that. You know what? We like to be blessed. We just don't want to pay the price. And Jacob says, go ahead. You go ahead. We'll roll around. We'll tumble around all night. But I'm not letting go of you till you bless me. Let me go. I won't let you go. You wonder why. Why did the Lord tell him that? Why, why, let me go. Why would he do that? I don't know. Sometimes I think God tests our resolve. How bad do you want it, I think is what he's saying. You know, we play a lot of sports, you know, and you get to the end of the game, and a coach is always good about this. It's whoever wants it most. I'm thinking, no, it isn't. It's the one who jumps the highest, runs the fastest, and can get across the goal line. I want it bad. It's the one who wants it most. And I'm thinking, man, that is cheesy. That is not, I mean, come on. You know? Now, there's truth to it. I get it. But there's also sometimes luck, too, you know? If, I don't know if you watched that game last night or not, but I stayed. I couldn't help it. Man, I mean, three seconds or two and a half seconds left, and man, they let the, the game slip away. They're down by one, and so, the Celtics run down there. And just heave one from the cheap seats. It rattles in and out, and some guy goes, doop, tips it up, drops in with zero on the clock. So who wants it most? You telling me that Miami didn't want to win that game last night? Oh, Celtics must have wanted it most. I don't believe that. I think they both wanted that win. And they both wanted it bad. But I'm sure glad that getting blessed of God is not a competition. Do you know how God depend, decides who gets blessed? By those who want it. How bad do you want it? You're going to have to pray. Got to get a hold of God. I got to get a hold of God. Got to hold on to him. Can't let him go. Turn to Luke 18. We have a wonderful example of this over in Luke 18. Boy, God wants to answer our prayers. He really does. Look what it says in Luke 18, 1 through 5. <clears throat> Have you ever thought to yourself, you wanted something really bad in life, and it never came about, or you didn't get, or it hasn't happened yet? Have you ever stopped and thought, maybe God doesn't want me to have it? You ever done that? And the moment you saw, thought that, you thought, okay then, it'll be okay. Most of the time we never even think about God in those processes. Most of the time we're like, I've got to work harder, I've got to do something else. I'm going to have to get it claw and scratch. And... Well, there's sometimes God just don't want us to have things. Sometimes that's just the way it is. But here's what I found. I found that when I really want what God wants for me, 
It's no big deal then. Man, I can want it real bad, and I can be praying and begging God, and for some reason God just kind of changes what I want. You ever have God change what you want? Say, it's never happened to me. You ain't doing much praying then. There's been a lot of things I wanted, and God said, mm, I don't think so, not now. I remember years ago, I wanted, an, I, I, I did, for years. I mean, I, I was in my 40s, almost 50 years old, I think. I, I was trying to think this the other day. But I always wanted a, a nice car. You know, I, I, I drive a lot, I used to drive a lot of older cars, right? You know, the kind that you have to tape up the windows to keep them up, and, you know, and, and you have to bungee strap the cords so that the door doesn't swing open while you're driving. I remember picking up some of our preachers in those vehicles of mine. I remember one of them saying, Preacher, you need, to, you need to have your church buy you a car. And I said, Brother, when God's ready to give me a car, he'll give me one. He said, Yeah, but you're ratchet strapping your door shut. And I said, Well, at least the car runs. When God's ready, he'll give me something. And I remember thinking, my parents had a nice car. They had a, um, oh, I'm trying to think what it's called. It's kind of like my father-in-law's now. He's got one of them now. It was a uh, Grand Marquis. Thank you. Man, I thought, man, I'd, li- I'd like to have me a Grand Marquis. Man, I'd like to have a Grand Marquis. I go driving down in some of our bus neighborhoods, and I think, if I drove a Grand Marquis, those people think I was uppity. I wouldn't be able to identify with them. They'd think I thought I was somebody I wasn't. Okay, Lord, I'm fine with that. I'm getting up to bear almost 50, and finally the Lord said, one day I, somebody said, I want to give you a grand marquee. I said, what? I want to give you a grand marquee. And I said, seriously? You serious? Yeah, cool. I'm thinking, wow. I'm so I'm praying about it. And I'm like, Lord, can I accept this? I don't want to look like I think I'm somebody, a hot shot, you know? Running around in certain parts of town and thinking I'm all this and all that. And uh, the Lord said, are you stupid? I'm giving you a grand marquee. Man, I got that grand marquee. I'm driving around. I'm loving it. It lasts for quite a while. And I used to think while I was driving a Grand Marquis, you know what I'd really like, Lord? I'd like me a Cadillac. Man, them Cadillacs are nice. And the Lord said, Cadillac? And I, you know, and I'd drive down the street and I'd think, nah, I couldn't drive a Cadillac. That wouldn't look good. I'm too young to have a Cadillac. And then they'd think again, I was trying to be something, you know, oh yeah, you're a preacher, you're rich, you know, you got all that money. That, that wasn't the truth, but hey, it looked that way, right? And so I drove the Grand Marquis, and it, it got older. And all of a sudden, I get a phone call from one of the fellows that worked here. He was working at a dealership at the time. He said, Preacher, we got a red Cadillac. It's like $9,000. It only had like 40,000 miles on it. And I said, what? You kidding me? He's like, yeah, you got to come see this car. And I'd been praying about it, and, 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 and I, I just, thought, you know, not, not I mean, just, you, you know, you got to understand, I was praying about it. I wouldn't tell nobody about it. I was just praying about it. And man, I'll tell you what, I went and looked at that Cadillac, and the Lord said, that's your car. So I bought it. I still remember driving down certain neighborhoods. Man, they were stopping. I was like, yeah. I felt good. I almost wanted to put a hat on or something, you know. You know, kind of lean in the middle, the whole deal. Man, I I mean, I was feeling good in that Cadillac. And that Cadillac looked good. It was a red Cadillac. Man, it was sharp looking. I I don't know why I'm telling you all that. But but I guess what I'm saying is, is that you want something bad enough, you just pray. And again, I know that sounds crazy, and, and for a long time, God wouldn't give it to me. For a long time, God made it very clear to me, this isn't right right now. This isn't right. And I said, okay, fine. I don't need that junk. I'm, I'm content with what I got. 
We called my one car the junkyard dog. You know why? I bought it out of the junkyard for $1,000. Oh, you ain't got me beat. Oh, I got other ones. <laughs> it's kind of like getting together at a... It's kind of like getting together at the uh, Young at Hearts activity, right? And everybody starts showing wounds. You know, here, let me show you mine. Oh, look at this one. And you're like... <laughs> you ever been there at those kind of deals? Oh, yeah. Just go out with the Young at Hearts. You'll get a little taste of heaven. <clears throat> right? You know what I'm talking about, Young at Hearts, right? We know what we're talking about. Look at this scar. Look at that one, right? Okay. <laughs> But how bad do you want the blessing? It's amazing how God's answered prayer through the years in my life, and I'm sure in yours as well. And you look back on it and you think to yourself, man, this is amazing. And sometimes, like I say, it's delayed. It's not when you ask and you just kind of maybe, he kind of tells you not now, and you just go, okay. And then down the road you might ask something again. But it's funny how he gives you your desire. He doesn't always even give you what you're asking for. He kind of gives you what you really like and love. I wanted to coach football for years, and that's what I wanted to do. For, I wanted to be a coach. I, I was going to go to uh, teach high school, and I was getting a degree to teach at the high school level, and then eventually I wanted to coach football at the high school level. I wanted to go to the college level, that kind of thing. I wanted to be a coach. That's really what I wanted to do. And so then he, he calls me to preach, right? Well, I wanted to coach. That's okay, though, right? This is what God wants. It's good. Whatever God wants is best. And I was good with that. That's fine with me. But you know what he did? Some years into the ministry, Brother Oliver Areza, he was just here not long ago. Brother Oliver Areza comes through town and he starts talking to me and he says, hey, by the way, he goes, you ever hear of this football camp? Your kids play any sports? I said, well, they're, they're athletic. They like to play that stuff, but not really. We don't really do a lot of sports other than the intramural sports at the church. And he said, man, this football can't be perfect. Matter of fact, they're always looking for coaches. And that's something. I went down there and fit like a glove. God opened the door. Now I get to coach and pastor. See, that's how God works, right? It's wonderful. It's wonderful. So look what happens here. Luke chapter 18, verse 1. You should be there, I think, by now. <clears throat> Luke 18, 1. And he spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Saying, there was a city in a city a judge which feared not God. And this guy had wanted nothing to do with the Lord. Neither regarding man. I mean, he really just was a pretty cantankerous person. Didn't really care what anybody thought, even God. And there was a widow in that city. And you got to understand, more than even today, in that day, that didn't hold a lot of water. You're a widow, you, you, you know, it just wasn't really that big a deal. I mean, you're a widow. I mean, who wants to hear from you? I mean, that really, that would have been the attitude in those days. But where's your husband at? Well, he died. Well, we really don't want to hear from you. But this widow in that city, she came unto him saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterwards he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. You know what he's saying? She just wouldn't let me alone. She was on my back morning to night. She was driving me crazy. Now, I don't really care what God thinks, and I don't care what man thinks, but I do care about me and my comfort, and she's making my life miserable. I'm just going to do what she has. See, you know what the widow wouldn't do? The widow wouldn't let go. She wouldn't let go. Think about Jacob and his life how it affected his life, this wrestling match that he had. It affected his walk. Look, look if you would, in verse 31. Oh, let me get you back where you're going. 32. 
chapter 32. Genesis 32. Notice it says here in the passage, And as he passed over Penuel, the sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. Do you realize that Jacob never walked the same after getting a hold of God, holding on to God, and not letting go? Jacob forever had a noticeable limp. The rest of his days, he limped. Every day of his life, what's wrong, Jacob? Oh, had a wrestling match with God. Oh, it looks like he won. No, I won. It cost me something to be blessed, but trust me, friend, I got blessed. Yeah, but your leg, look at you, you walk different now. Oh, I know, but don't worry about me. It's all right. This is the best life. You know what happens when you and I get a hold of God? It affects our walk. See, your lifestyle changes. Oh, you don't look the same as you used to, and you don't walk the same as you used to. And sometimes people are like, oh, you can't be having a good time with that old limp, can you? Oh, yeah, he's blessed me. Man, I got a hold of God, and I wouldn't let go of God. I hold on to him for dear life until he blessed me. My walk's different now. Got a different lifestyle. Not only that, but it affected his name. Verse 27. It says, And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hath thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. So your name's no longer Israel, it's a prince of God, prince with God. And you are Israel now. Yeah, Jacob, you're Israel. And Jacob's life was never the same. He had a testimony. His name was different. He was not known by who he used to be. He's known by who he is now. Too many times once we get saved and we come to Christ, uh, we want to go back and do the same old things and be known by the same old people and the same old lifestyle, but that's not what God intends for us. Our lifestyle should be different. Our testimony should be different. People ought to look at us now and say, man, that's not... That, you're different now, not just in the way you act, but the, 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 the way things are turning out in your life. Your home was wrecked and ruined, your marriage was on the rocks, and your children are going the wrong way, but things look different now. It'll affect your walk, it affects your name, your lifestyle testimony, if you will. Man, it affected his family, and it affected his future. Again, Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Do you think Jacob's life was ever the same? Do you think that, that his future was ever the same after seeing God face to face, after getting a hold of God? After holding on to God? After not letting go of God? <clears throat> it was never the same. See, if you and I want a blessing from God tonight, we got to get a hold of Him. We got to hold on to Him, and we can't let go of Him. What, what do you want from God? If you want a blessing from God, then you got to get a hold of Him. Say, so how do I do that? <clears throat> a good place to start is on your knees. Got to get on your knees. Or you got to get in a place where you can at least pray. You don't have to physically be on your knees, but you have to humble yourself before God. Got to get a hold of God. Do you know the last time I checked, God is on the throne. 
You know that God, you say, well, yeah, he's right here in me. He is inside you. But listen, when we get a hold of God, what did he tell us? We got to get into our closet, right? We got to get away from it. That's the important part that we're going to talk about because it's so important right now. You got to realize that getting a hold of God is not a team sport. It's an individual sport. Look at verse 24 of our passage. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. See, how bad do you want a blessing? If you really want God's blessing to the fullest, you're going to have to get alone with him. It's not going to come by corporate prayer. Well, we pray every Wednesday night at the church. Well, that's good, but can I tell you, that's not going to get the job done in your life. It's only going to come through private, individual, and personal interaction with the master. Verse 23, and he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over that he had. Again, Jacob sent them over the brook. He was alone on purpose. He made sure that he got alone. He did it on purpose. You know what I find? Here's the funny thing. You know, teenagers, you know what's sad? Is that too many times you're willing to serve God as long as you have others to serve with you. You know, it's it's fun, right? It's, It's fun when others are serving. It's fun to do things for God when everybody else is fired up about doing things for God. But see, that's not the true test of your real spirituality. Whether you're really spiritual or not is whether you do it when you're all by yourself. And nobody else is following. Nobody else is doing. That's what God's looking for in our lives. See, we, if we want, you, gotta, you want something from God, you want a blessing from God, you got to get a hold of God. And you got to hold on to him and you can't let go of him. But you don't do that with a group. You do that by yourself. And that's what we're losing in Christianity today. Because can I tell you that it is not comfortable and it is not pleasant to do those kind of things. It's hard work to get alone with God at times. It's difficult to find your way out of this world long enough to truly reach the heavenlies and get a hold of God on the throne. They say, yeah, but you don't understand. He lives in you. You just have, Lord, help me. Yeah, you can do that all day. You go ahead and you pray that way the rest of your life and see how far you get with God. There comes a part where you got to hold on to God, get a hold of him and hold on to him and not let go of him. Do you think Community Baptist Temple became what it is by just simply going, Lord, but you're like a building. Thank you, God. You really think that's how, Lord, build the ministry. Oh, God, give us people. Thank God. Are you kidding me? How many hours people prayed? How many days and weeks? How many times they fasted? How much emphasis and investment went in to God doing something? Oh, God, oh, God, bring souls. Oh, God, give us souls for our labor. Oh, God, help us to raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Oh, God, stir the baptistry. Oh, God, give us this, the, the money we need to build what we need to facilitate this ministry. Oh, God, do it, do it, do it, do it. You know, you're just lucky. Oh, okay. It's all luck. Just like if you got a family that's living for God, it's just, you're lucky. You got good kids, godly kids, you're lucky. You're lucky. You got a good wife, I got a bad one. You got a good husband, I got a bad one. You're lucky. He didn't say we got to get lucky. He said, How bad do you want a blessing? How bad do you want it? You willing to pay the price? Half the time we're not even willing to go talk to who we need to talk to to get to where we're going. God gives us a pastor and we won't even talk to him because we're too embarrassed to address the faults in our life or the failures in our life and we won't go and even ask any advice. Then we wonder why everything's falling apart in our life. Oh, I want this and I want that. Good for you. Everybody, every bum on the corner of every street wants a million dollars in the bank account, but you don't get it sitting on the corner. It's unbelievable how we think things are supposed to work. I want a good marriage. Well, then start working at it. 
die to self and start giving yourself to your spouse. Quit thinking about you all the time. You don't understand what I'm dealing with. I don't have to. He does. How often do you pray about it? How long have you been fasting about your marriage then? How long have you been fasting about those children that you're struggling about or you're worried about? Do you have to wait till they go into sin before you start really praying for them? Why don't we pray before they get there? Let's get a hold of God. What do you want and how bad do you want it? I know we can't control what happens sometimes in our lives. That is up to God. and He allows some things to happen in our lives sometimes that we wish didn't. But so many times I'm concerned that maybe we're just not willing to put in the work and the effort that it takes to change the course of our lives. It's not a team sport. It's individual. Me and my wife, we pray together every day. How much time have you been praying? Personally. Well, we just do it as a couple. We're one flesh anyway. Well, you got 10 minutes you pray together? You really think that that's going to spare your children from the world that we live in today? You better get a hold of God, friend. You better hold on to God, and you better not let go of Him. The the, the devil is so deceptive. Man, I tried everything I could possibly do to get out of that guy's grasp. But his grasp, his grip was like iron. I mean, I felt helpless. It wasn't probably one minute into that match he pinned me to the mat. I'm looking up in the rafters. Match was over. Stood up, put his arm in the air, we walked off the mat, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I got ripped. That experience really embarrassed me. But it lit a fire in my belly. And I began to work out harder than ever. Started working out with weights and doing all that good stuff. And I thought to myself, this will never, ever happen again. The following year, I was wrestling at the high school level now. Remember, I was in ninth grade, now I'm in 10th. Man, there was a part of me that wanted to run up against that guy again. And I thought, that'll never happen. But it did. And I thought, this is my chance to redeem myself. I've been working out all summer. I've been getting ready for this day. And I walked on the mat, and I'm sure that fellow recognized me. He thought, ooh, this is going to be a cake walk. I got me a pin for sure. But it didn't turn out quite like that. Yeah, he remembered me all right. But I wasn't the same person I was a year ago. I'd worked really hard. I didn't beat him. He beat me. But it took him all three periods, and he never pinned me. You say, ah, you still got beat. That was a win in my book. At least in mine. You can say whatever you want. That was a win in my book. That wrestling match impacted my life. Do you know that? You know, when you get a hold of God, you hold on to him and don't let go, that'll be something you'll never forget too. It'll change your life. I think it's time we start wrestling with God a little more. Let's start wrestling with God. How bad do you want a blessing? What is it you really want today? And again, sometimes the things we want may not be the things God really He knows we don't need some of the things we ask for, but I think you're spiritually wise enough tonight to know the things that matter. I I do. I believe that. So what is it you really want from God? Are you willing to pay the price? You're not going to be able to do it just by praying every morning for the preacher in the prayer cabinet. Or just praying on Wednesday night and we get together in the services. 
You won't even be able to get the blessings you really want just praying with your wife. Just before we go to work, let's pray. You're going to have to get alone with God on purpose and spend time wrestling with God. I thought that I had to pray a lot when I had teenagers. Do you know I've never stopped feeling like i got to pray more? Today I feel like I have to pray harder than I did then for my kids. Because they can get a lot more trouble now that they're bigger. And they're out from underneath my supervision. It was easy then. You say, really? Yeah. It don't get easier as a parent. Because now they're old enough to do what they want to do. And as parents, we want them to do what God wants them to do. Boy, I tell you what. Learn to get a hold of God now. And do it before they hit those teen years. So that while they're going through it and even into the future, God knows you mean business. And he'll give you the blessings you seek. He's anxious to do it. Let's wrestle with God a little bit. Let's take time to get a hold of God. Hold on to him. And not let go. Father, we come to you. We need you tonight. And again, Lord, I I know that I've not been very good at communicating this message. But, Lord, I do ask that you would just use that simple thought. That we'd recognize and see the great need to get a hold of you. Lord, there's so many options in the world we live today. So many how-to books. So many... YouTube videos, so much to tell us what we need to do, but Lord, so many voices, but Lord, help us to want to hear your voice above all voices, and help us, Father, to get alone with you on purpose, so that we can get a hold of you, we can hold on and not let go, and receive the blessings we need in this life. Lord, help us, we pray. We'll give to you the glory and the honor in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all